This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about Mayor Sherelle Parker's first week in office, the first new school building in North Philly in 70 years. And what's up with the mummers? It's Friday, January 5th. I'm Trinae Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Anna Orso, City Hall reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey, Anna. Hey, Trinae. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Welcome back. And Dale Mezzacapa, senior writer for Chalkbeat Philadelphia, where she covers K through 12 schools and early childhood education in the city. Hey, Dale. Hi. Happy New Year, everyone. It's a new year. Thank God. (laughs) So before we get into the news of the week, I want to start with an icebreaker. And this is about a Philly tradition, the Mummers Parade. For those who don't know, this parade is held every New Year's Day in Philly. It officially started in 1901. So it's one of the longest running parades in the U.S., according to USA Today. And they've recently named it the best parade in the country. So I want to ask you all, have you ever been to a Mummers Parade? I have been to a few Mummers Parades. I did not go this year. I was a little busy getting ready for the mayoral transition. Um, But is certainly unlike any other. I I think the closest parallel is probably Mardi Gras. Um, fewer beads, um, maybe fewer <laughs> nudity, maybe a little bit less nudity. Um, right. A lot of people who have been heavily drinking and walking right. around the city, and many of whom are wearing fantabulous costumes. What about for you, Dale? Have you been to a Mummers Parade? I have, but it's been a long time, so I haven't been recently. I'm trying to figure out like the mummers too. like, you know, they had to go through some training, some like cultural awareness trainings, because sometimes troops get a little controversial with their costumes. Some might say they're racist. Some might call out the bad behavior this year. Specifically, uh, there was a video circulating on social media that showed some members of the Froggy Car Wench Brigade. And they were having like a scuffle with some parade goers over a flag that was supporting former President Donald Trump. So, you know, that stuff happens, too, sometimes. Right. Yeah. The the members have had a long history of controversy. Um, They have had to undergo racial sensitivity training over the last several years. And there was a lot of blackface worn over the years. That seems to have largely subsided. But a lot of the point of the mummers is to make a political point and they make political statements often in their skits and in their costumes. And sometimes those veer into the offensive. And so that's been a large part of their history. Mm -hmm. There is a mummers museum in the city and they say that mummers are all about celebration, fun and family. So yeah, another Philly tradition I've kind of always wondered about. All right, let's get into some of the top news of the week. Anna and Dale, uh, we officially have a new mayor. Mayor Sherelle Parker is now 
the first woman in this role, and she's also the city's 100th mayor. Shortly after her inauguration, she signed three executive orders. And I kind of want to go through these. And can can you help me <laughs> to understand them? First, there was declaring a public safety emergency. Anna, what does that mean? So this is something that Parker said she was going to do while she was on the campaign trail. Um, it's largely ceremonial. It does not trigger additional resources for the city, um, like a like declaring a state of emergency would if there was, say, a big snowstorm. But what it does do is it directs her police commissioner, Kevin Bethel, to work together with other department heads um, and come up with basically what she described as a comprehensive public safety action plan over the course of the next 100 days. She specifically named a variety of lower level quality of life crimes that she wants to see a plan for, such as retail theft and illegal ATV use. She also named the open air drug market in Kensington as a major area of focus in that strategy plan. So it was mostly a plan to make a plan. Okay. I want to talk later about that plan. In your reporting, you write that this was a move that former Mayor Jim Kenney refused to do, declaring that public safety emergency. Why is that? You know, he was really concerned that declaring a public safety emergency citywide would further this feeling that crime in the city was getting worse. His concern was people feeling like they were being over-policed. You know, Mayor Kenny has said that he always had this concern that if you tell people there's a public safety crisis in the city, that it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then people start to feel more unsafe and they might fear starting a business here or visiting the city as a tourist. So he really was hesitant to declare a public safety emergency, largely because he said, I don't think it'll meaningfully change conditions here. A lot of People like, including Sheryl Parker, really disagreed. Another executive order was to, quote, make local government more visible, responsive and effective in how it delivers services to citizens. What is her message with this executive order? Yeah, so improving the way that the city delivers quality of life services was also a big focus of Sheryl Parker's throughout campaigning. What this executive order does is it directs all of her operating departments, except for like the health department, to basically create a list of all the ways that the city delivers services. So that can range from collecting complaints about trash that wasn't picked up Mm -hmm. to outreach programs for um, get out the vote. So it, it really runs the gamut. So what she wants to see is lists of every single way that the city delivers services to residents, how it's done, what any costs or fees are associated with that. And from there, she wants her administration to prioritize how it can reform the ways that the city delivers services to streamline it, make it easier for residents to access services, or perhaps in some cases, eliminate red tape and and bureaucratic uh, steps. Is this going to take a lot, a lot of work? Yes. It is. Uh, And it's especially (laughs) going to take a lot of work because some of the top members of her administration have not even been named yet. So Mm. we'll see how this goes in uh, in 60 to 100 days. And lastly, there was an executive order to expand economic opportunity by removing barriers to city employment. I guess that's kind of self-explanatory, but can you kind of go in a little bit more detail, Anna? Yeah. So Sherelle Parker has long wanted to make it easier for 
workers to become members of the city workforce um, and by reforming the civil service process. Her ultimate goal is, is eliminating the civil service exam, which most city employees have to take. It's like a standardized test you have to take before becoming a city employee. But this order does not do that. What it does do is it seeks to eliminate four-year college degree requirements. So she is directing each of her department heads to create a list of positions within their department where they might be able to eliminate a college degree requirement for that role. And this is basically in order to attract more workers, diversify the workforce, and provide more work opportunities to people who might have only a high school diploma or a two-year associate's degree. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, more news of the week. This is CityCast Philly. Now, Anna, I want to go back to Mayor Sherelle Parker's 100-day action plan you mentioned earlier. Mayor Parker released this document on her first day in office, and she lays out her vision for Philly as a, quote, safer, cleaner, greener Philadelphia with economic opportunity for all. Anna, did anything in that plan stand out for you? Sure. You know, I thought it was really interesting, the the language that was used around the drug market in Kensington. She, as part of that 100-day action plan, directed her police commissioner to develop a strategy to, quote, permanently shut down the open-air drug market in Kensington, which is something that has dogged previous mayors for decades. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's some of the strongest language I've heard from her yet. Most of the rest of the action plan, I would say, was sort of like the executive orders. It was a lot of creating working groups, asking people to develop strategies, and looking for um, you know concrete plans to return to her within 100 days. So I think she's being really careful in how she sets goals here, so that you know she doesn't uh, not meet expectations within her first few months in office. So that might be politically smart on her part. So we'll see what strategies they come up with. You can check out that 100-day action plan and more of Anna's reporting by checking out the links in our show notes. All right, shifting gears, I want to talk about T.M. Pierce Elementary, a public school located on 23rd and Cambria Streets in North Philly. They welcome students to a brand new school building this week. Dale, can you help us to understand why this is so significant? Well, it's significant because T.M. Pierce is located in an impoverished neighborhood in North Philadelphia because it's the first new school that was built in, that, in North Philadelphia in 70 years and because it drew more attention to the issues that caused the old building, which was built in 1909, to be closed. As you know, they, the school district has been dealing with issues of safety with, within its own buildings, the average age of which is 73 years, I think, uh, around the city. And the problems in TM Pierce, most of the buildings that have asbestos where they find dangerous asbestos, which is asbestos that has been flaking or loosened, they might close the building temporarily, relocate students temporarily, 
and then bring them back. T.M. Pierce, the extent of the asbestos, but not only that, but lead in the water and lead paint and all of that was so extensive that they decided they had to demolish the building. The students were relocated to a nearby school, which had been decommissioned as a school. But this school was a $44 million investment in a neighborhood in Philadelphia where you don't often see that kind of new investment. The building can hold over 600 students. Right now it has only 200 and uh, it's a K to six school. And whether that will change, they're hoping that the, the brand new building and its amenities will attract more neighborhood people to uh, send their students there as opposed to sending them to charter schools or making other arrangements, private schools, et cetera. All right. So tell me some of the highlights of this new building. Well, it, it's state-of-the-art in the sense of it's, uh, it's safe. It doesn't have asbestos. The classrooms and the furniture were uh, kind of designed with the help of the community. And it's flexible in the sense that it encourages group learning. The teachers can rearrange the furniture in the building, you know, use it for various purposes. It has, you know, electronic whiteboards where students can learn with their laptops and It's just a much more pleasant environment for the students to attend. And I think that one of the points that was made at the ribbon cutting last month was that, you know, you matter. And the speeches by the various politicians who attended, who included state reps and uh, council people and and the mayor, was you matter. That was the main message to these kids. And the other main message was you really need to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, we've invested in you, now you should invest, and and to their families, should invest in your own efforts to be, you know, the best students that you can be and to to learn. Having a brand new school building must feel so good for families and students, teachers and staff. What have they told you about how they feel about this new building? Well, it's interesting to um, interview little kids. Yes, (laughs) it's very hard. (laughs) I've done it for a long time now. And they don't often give you great answers. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they were awestruck. I mean, they were just looking around. And I think that they were, you know, kids aren't, especially that age, don't really reflect on their learning and how they learn a whole lot. But they certainly were happy that they had a nice building to go to as opposed to a building that was over a century old. Mm-hmm. And I think these kids were happy to be there. You know, it's brightly colored. It's just place that they're going to want to be. What stood out to me about this story is that, you know, we've seen the school year that so many other school buildings in the city need work. Dale, you've been on the show last year to talk about these issues. So could other school buildings get renovated into state-of-the-art facilities just like T.M. Pierce Elementary did? Right. The new mayor, uh, Sherelle Parker, she has, uh, as part of her Uh, campaign promises, has said that she wants to help the school district deal with their facilities issues. And Mm -hmm. the estimate is that it's like to to sort of upgrade all the facilities in Philadelphia school buildings to 21st century standards and to make them all safe. You know, we're talking multi, multi billions of dollars to do this. And she has been 
we haven't been able to pin her down on exactly what she means, but she she is implying that she wants to have some intergovernmental arrangement where the city would provide more either funds or resources of some kind to to help them with this challenge of of upgrading their buildings, not only to make them compatible with 21st century learning standards, but just to simply make them safe buildings to be in. For sure. You can check out more of Dale's reporting on this story by checking out the link in our show notes. Dale Mezzacappa, senior writer for Chalkbeat Philadelphia, and Anna Orso, City Hall reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you both so much for joining me for the Friday News Roundup on CityCast Philly. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Thank you so much for having us. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. More Philly libraries are opening for an extra day during the week. Starting tomorrow, 12 more locations are adding Saturday hours. Check out the full list of branches opening tomorrow by clicking the link in our show notes. If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our executive producer is Laura Benchoff. Our producers are Abby Fritz, Elizabeth Kama, and Dylan Brogan. Our Hey Philly newsletter editors are Joel Wolfram and Adrian Gonzalez. And our host is me, Trine Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Walden. If you enjoyed this week of episodes, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, y'all, and be safe. Bye.